Hello, I'm Matt Carpenter, and this is the Good Life Podcast. Hello, we are back at the Good Life Podcast, and today I am interviewing a wonderful friend and mentor to me, uh, Rod Olps. Rod lives in Moscow, Idaho, and over the years he's been a businessman, uh, a mentor to many other men. Uh, He's been in various executive roles, and the Lord has used him in a lot of ways, and I hope that he will talk about some of those. And he also added he has 21 grandchildren with a 22nd soon to arrive. So, Rod, thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here, Matt. Thanks. So, what is to, to begin with, you know, what is your background in, you know, how you are uh, 70, two, what? Two. 72. <clears throat> All right. And how did you come to this point in your life? I know one year at a time, but, you know, w- what exactly uh, is your background in leading up to where you are now? Um, <clears throat> I'm a graduate of uh, LSU, Go Tigers. Uh, while at LSU, uh, got involved in Campus Crusade, now called Crew, in 1971. Was invited by some football players to a evangelistic event. Businessman shared that religion is man trying to reach God. Christianity is God reaching man. There's a chasm between God and man, and effort doesn't get you across. And I knew I was on the wrong side. So. That night in October of 1971, committed my life to Christ, and uh, that launched me into uh, my life as a believer. After graduating from LSU, I went into the Navy. I flew in the Navy. For anyone that's watched Top Gun, which I would not advise with your young children, but if you watch Top Gun, I was Goose. Flew in F-4s and F-14s. Went to Pensacola as an instructor, and then most of my career has either been between Covington, Louisiana, or Jackson, uh, Mississippi. So that's kind of the start. Okay, good. So in that time, though, you've also, after leaving there, you've been in various types of business. You know, how would you summarize your the role where God has used you the most, where you've been the most successful in business. What does that role look like? You know, it's interesting because I was thinking about that uh, uh, not too long ago as I was talking to some young people about careers and things. And I realized that every job responsibility that I had uh, was really a reflection of the three spiritual gifts that I feel like I have. Uh, Exhortation, encouragement, and discernment. They all whether that's human resources or benefits consulting, whether that's leading a technology company, whether that whatever it happens to be, uh, they've all been some combination of that. My main career was an employee benefits consultant and running a consulting practice. Uh, I got involved with a technology company in Mississippi, which was a startup technology company, helped the young founder get it uh, 
established, did that for three years. And so uh, helping organizations and, and executives and CEOs to grow their organizations uh, has really been kind of my forte. I'm a classic number two guy. I don't want to be out front. I like helping behind the scenes. And that's basically what I've done to help somebody grow something or that's in transition, more or less. All right. So uh, I hope later we can get to the discussion of spiritual gifts. Because if you ask a lot of people, you know, what are your spiritual gifts? You don't get anything that's very clear. So, you know, you, you, you just recited what yours are. So anyway, I want to get to that. But first of all, one thing that you've given that has helped me a lot in the past, and I know you, you've used it with others and you've presented on this topic before, is something known as the seasons of a man's life. So, you know, talk about what that is. You know, give us an overview of the seasons of a man's life and, you know, how you came to learn about that. I came to learn about it because I was at a uh, businessman's conference and the speaker, I'm like mid-30s, late-30s, a speaker said, you know, the ministry really doesn't start until 40. And I thought about that. I thought, well, that makes sense. You really don't know anything until you're 40 anyway. Uh, and so for the ministry to start at 40 actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it was problematic because as a young man, you look at older men and the passion left at some point along the way. So if it's really start, if it's really supposed to start at 40, why do most older men seem to be fading out? And why is it that they're losing their passion right when they're supposed to be hitting their stride? Somehow that led me to a book by a secular guy named Levinson, which is The Seasons of a Man's Life. And in the book, uh, he simply talks about the development stages that men uh, go through and that the patterns are highly predictable. We know the patterns of children. At three, this happens. At eight, that happens. At 11, this happens. But men have not thought about the predictable patterns that we go through, uh, and then we get lost along the way, and it gets, uh, gets confusing. So he says there are developmental patterns that are predictable and common, and that work is the primary base of who a man is, his job his vocation, and is very important psychologically to his contribution in society. He says that life develops in four eras or four seasons, zero to 22, more or less, is childhood and adolescence, 17 to 45 is early adulthood, 40 to 65 is middle adulthood, and 60 plus is late adulthood. I'm well established into late adulthood. Each era has a big transition between it. Transition uh, uh, moves from uh, one phase to another. Uh, it's neither simple nor brief. Uh, they usually are three to five years in length. You don't go take your Bible and a notebook over a weekend and figure it all out. It's a multiple year uh, uh, transition. Requires a basic change in how we view things. Uh, and it terminates an era and initiates another uh, era. So early adulthood is 20 to 40s. P 
peak biological uh, energy. You'll never have any more energy than you had at 32 or 33. And it starts a slow decline uh, from uh, 32 down. Uh, so the first stage is early adulthood and then tr mid midlife transition. Then uh, midlife, 40 to 45, thereabouts. Who are we? Who are we not? Which is more important? What are we called to do? And then convergence, mid-40s. This is who I am. I may not like who I am, but this is who God made me to be. Accept my limitations. Accept my failures and move on uh, uh, from there. And then there's a, late, there's a late transition, which is a whole different subject that I probably won't get into. But that's when you leave center stage and you move on to uh you move on to uh, to something else so that's the big picture of it but what happens that's just physiological if a guy's 40 or 45 this is kind of what he's thinking about this is what's going on who am i what am i really uh and so what i did was i started with that and then i tried to overlay biblical principles to that so that's the big overarching theme of it does that make sense? It does. It it does. So, so, so you're taking this book by Levinson and what he has said, but but you're using also your observation. I know from previous conversations that we've had. You know, you're because you, as you said, you are at the stage where you have a lot of experience in life and dealing with people and things like that. So. This is not just an abstract kind of out there idea. You've seen this play over and over and over with men, right? Yeah, it's not complicated. Guys are not complicated. Uh, they don't know what's going on, but it's not really all that complicated, really, for the for the most of us, uh, you know. But where we are and and thinking about things is a little bit more challenging for us, and so. Uh, I tried to overlay biblical principles. Almost every good business book is really written with biblical principles in mind, whether the author knows it or not. And Jordan Peterson's the same way. I really wanted to write a book on his 12 principles of life and say, oh, here's what he's really saying. This is the biblical principle. He just didn't know it when he wrote the chapter. And so there are certain principles that apply. Physiologically, one of the principles that applies, energy goes down in our thir early 30s, but responsibility goes up. The two lines cross in your late 30s, where you now have no longer sufficient physical energy for the responsibilities that you have. And if you have not laid a good foundation in your 20s and 30s, it doesn't sustain you and you'll pull back in your 40s and uh, 50s. So I ended up doing a back Bible study in Jackson, Mississippi with a bunch of young men. It's like, okay, this is going to happen to me in my late 30s, early 40s. How in the world do I prepare for it? Uh, and get a heads up. And I'll give you one example. We moved to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, left a family business, and for the first time at 39 or 40, I faced mortality. I thought, and I said to my wife, I can't do this. This is really too hard. I can actually fail here. Uh, and she said, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Just We'll just keep going. Uh, that's an example of the, the trauma and the physiological emptiness that you experience in late 30s, early 40s. But it's also an example of 
the importance of laying a good foundation. So if I had not invested in the relationship with my wife, theoretically, before I needed it in my 20s and 30s, and I neglected her, then when I hit the wall in my early 40s, and if she wasn't there for me, I wouldn't be here today. I promise you that. And so the 20s and 30s are primarily a time of sewing and investing and preparing. 45 plus is primarily a time of contribution. That's when we yeah. have convergence. I always wrestled with, should I go vocationally in the ministry or not? Uh, whenever business got unfun, I always wanted to go into the ministry. Uh, but in my early 40s, I realized, no, this is, that's not who I am. I'm a business guy, and I'm not an entrepreneur, but I'm a helper of entrepreneurs. So that's high level. Okay. So I, I, I want to tease out a little bit the, the laying a foundation part, because that, that's something that when you do have a lot of energy, so I'm, I'm 39, and I know that I'm just starting now um, <clears throat> from what you said, you know, that the peak is likely behind me. Physically, and, yes. and, and, Right, physically. And so I, so I can relate to that part. But what is the thing that a, a man, let's say, who's 25, newly married, maybe he has a kid, maybe, or some kids, or maybe not, who knows, what are the things he needs to concentrate on when he is in this early stage? I'm glad you asked, Matt, because I just happened to have it in front of me, thinking you might <laughs> ask me that uh, that question. As I thought about it, I said, well, what are the things that are fundamental that sustain you? Uh, Psalms 130, 127, 1 and 2, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. When you're under 40, you know that verse, but you don't really understand or know that verse. When you get 40 plus, you know that if God doesn't do it, I'm sunk. And so... The reality of it sets in, uh, you know, theoretically, oh, yeah, I know that. But when you get 40 plus, you know, no, really, if the Lord doesn't do it, you're screwed. And so some of the fundamentals are uh, the Lordship of Christ. That's just very basic. It's very fundamental. You're not your own. You're bought with the price. Re realizing and settling that, that it's not about you. It's not about your career. It's about what God has for you and a friend shared Psalms 24 1 the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains so we're on assignment so it's the Lordship of Christ it's the gospel daily Jerry Bridges transforming grace it's comprehending what that really means is foundational it's intimacy with the Father devotional life uh, it's uh, uh, you know spending time developing the habit of being alone with the Lord you don't need it dramatically in your 20s and 30s because you think you can pretty much do anything. But later on, you need psalms. You need to be able to have a relationship with the Lord. And if you haven't cultivated that, when you've got a, a surplus of energy, it's really hard to start uh, to start later in life. It's the importance of the Word of God. You know, the navigators share the hand illustration. Hear, read, study, memorize, meditate. You know, it's just the Word of God. It's it's basic. It's not that complicated, but studying, memorizing the word. 80% of the verses that I've memorized were memorized before 40. 
you know, mm. uh, so fortunately, and fortunately I laid that in my, uh, laid that up in that time. It's a vision of giving yourself to others and it's discipleship. Those are giving yourself to other people. Those are the, what I would call the basics. Those are the basics. Those don't really change, but they're also things that I call character and convictions. Your wife, investing in your relationship with your wife. Your wife is who God gave you to help you accomplish the things that you've been given to do. So you invest when she really needs you the most. She never needs you any more than pre-40, you know. And if you're busy and preoccupied with a lot of other things and you are not investing, then you're going to pay for it uh, later. Children. Uh, it's easy when your kids are five, six, seven, eight. It's a whole different thing when they're 15, 16, 18, you know. So laying that foundation with your children. I just was talking to a guy who's changing jobs. He's 40. Uh, he was an executive pastor. He's just changing jobs. I said, take the easier job because of the age of your kids, because you don't get that back. You know, in five years, mm -hmm. they're radically at a different place, and you don't get that one back, uh, you know. So... Relationship with the kids, thinking biblically, accountability, the sovereignty of God in all things, work. Uh, why do I go to work? Secular, sacred dichotomy, thinking that through uh, church. What is my role with the church? How does that fit? Narrowing uh, focus. Those are some of the basic things that men, in my opinion, men in their 20s and 30s need to really get a handle on because they're going to need that for later. So as you're talking just now, the, the the story that came to my mind was of the rich young man who comes to Jesus in Matthew 19. You know, he had, I mean, we know he was wealthy. He had a lot going for him. He was morally upright. But there were still, Jesus pointed out the thing for him that he was not willing to give up. To, to properly, to invest God's way. And so he identified the area where, where this young man was holding back. And, you know, we don't know what happened because he's not given a name. You know. So I'm guessing that that can also, that, that can be applied here. Whereas, you know, the things that I hear you saying have to do with cultivating and investing in things that you may not feel right. like. Yes, that, that, that's, that's, that's exactly right. It is uh, uh, Galatians 5. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he's going to reap. Uh, uh, you're going to reap. And 20s and 30s is a time of investment. Uh, you don't want to be reading books on how to raise your kids when they're in college. You're done. <laughs> you know, they've left. Right. You know, so it's an investing when you have that surplus of energy in your 20s and 30s, you know, what you do with that and think these things through uh, preparing for it. A prudent man foresees difficulties at it, prepares for it. But it's different for different guys. It's kind of like a guy comes to me and says, well, here's where I am. Okay, well, you're 40 years old. I know what that's like. you got three kids. I know what that's like. Here are the ages of your kids. I know what kind of job you have. I know what that's like. You know, I know what you're thinking about doing. I know what that's like. And I just was on the phone with your wife, so I know what she's like. And so it's like, well, okay, here's where you are. 
And so guys do not, they get lost along the way, but the prescription is different, you know, for where a guy is as to what they need to do. But the basics and the convictions are fundamental and the same. They don't really change, in my opinion. So invest, well, what I hear you saying is give yourself to to God, to pursuing him, to pursuing you know, just the basics of the gospel, submitting to his lordship, doing what he calls you to do, and invest and, and cultivate your relationships with your family. Yes. The, at this the, go- the goal is, it ought not to be, unusual for somebody in their 70s to still be interested in the things of God and still be learning. That shouldn't be unusual. Finishing well is the goal. Uh, It is faithfully discharging the responsibilities, and they change over time that God gives us and being a good steward of what God has given us. And so that doesn't really change. The big difference between where I am now where I used to be is I'm doing the same things, I just don't have a title and I don't always get paid for it, but I'm doing the same thing. It just may be one-off kinds of things. And so we want to finish well. Jesus said he accomplished the work that he was given to do uh, in John 17. Paul said, I finished the course. So finishing well and being faithful and excited about the Lord and the kingdom should be normal. It shouldn't be abnormal. So what you're doing, or what a man does now, will determine how he finishes later. It, 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 yeah. it has a profound effect on his ability to not pull back. Most guys, they will just quietly pull back. They may still be elders in the church, but the young men know the fire's out. They know the lingo. They know the game. You know, they go to FCA or whatever, but the passion is not there. So we need to be prepared uh, to finish uh, to finish well, whatever it is that God is calling us to uh, to do. So commonly we hear about the midlife crisis. That's a, a phrase that is used. So how does the idea of a midlife crisis fit in with the things that you're talking about? If you do what I'm suggesting, you don't have a midlife crisis. You have a midlife transition. There's clearly a midlife transition. There's clearly convergence. And to say, this is who I am. I wish I was different. I wish I had a million bucks. Or I wish I was the next Billy Graham, but I'm not. This is who I am. I'm dealing with reality. So we all have a convergence or a healthy man uh, developmentally has a narrowing sense of who he is. And, but it, it's a transition. Uh, it's a crisis if you haven't prepared well for it. It's a crisis if you haven't invested in your wife. It's a crisis if you've been pursuing things and you've done all kinds of dumb stuff rather than investing. But it shouldn't be a crisis. It's a, it's a difficult transition, just like 65 to 70 is a difficult transition, but it ought not to be a crisis. So a lot of guys then who have not invested well, 
in their earlier years, who have not given themselves and who have not built when they had energy, when they come to that period of transition around you know, approximately 40 years old, then you see something like, you know, well, broken relationships for one. I mean, that, that's the easiest thing. Marriage fall apart and, and things like that. Or, or you see probably a stereotype here, but, but someone who goes and buys a very expensive car or who buys a huge boat or that just does something that, that seems somewhat out of the blue. So you're saying that is likely because the person has not prepared for that point of transition. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that's, you know, God could always restore the years the locust has eaten and it's just harder, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing is an emphasis in your twenties and thirties and investing and repenting and brokenness is more of an, more of a theme in your forties and fifties. It's the ability to repent of stupid stuff. But if you don't know the gospel, then it's really kind of hard to admit that you're screwed up, you know, but if you know the gospel, you know, well, I'm already broken. I know the depravity of man. I'm like, okay, so tell me what I don't already know, but I'm secure. Uh, uh, Terry Bridges once said, uh, Romans 12, 1, in view of the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice. He says, if you do not view life in view of the mercies of God, you will be conformed to the world, Romans 12, 2. It's mm. the mercy of God. And the older I get, either I am more aware of my sinfulness or I'm a bigger sinner. I'm not sure which, but I'm <laughs> maybe both. Maybe, maybe both, but I'm amazed that the Lord uses me when I know how flawed I am. But the gospel keeps me in the game, you know, because it's in view of the mercies of God. And that's why understanding that earlier, is, is, is critically important to sustaining failures and problems later in life. So transitioning from considering the seasons of a man's life now, uh, another element that you've emphasized is discipleship. So let's say a guy who's 30 years old comes to you and, and, and says, you know, what, what can I do? I live in fill in the blank XYZ in Kansas or Alabama or wherever. What can I do to grow to, and not only for me to grow, but to lead my family in this way? How would you advise him? I mean, if he just, he's coming to you kind of just open handed. Well, if he's coming to me long distance, then I'm saying, who do you know that is down the road from you spiritually uh, that you trust and respect? Uh, well, go find that person. You know, make yourself accountable to that person. Meet with that person. So it's finding somebody who you trust who's down the road spiritually, and you're thinking that's kind of what I want to be like. That person. Uh, then fine. Then that's who you need to go and spend time with and coach you through this. And so it's finding that person. The other is just the importance of, of being in the word on a daily consistent basis, quiet time journal, sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. It's cultivating the relationship 
uh, with with God. But you know, every guy is different. You know, some of them have sure. they've got that part squared away, but they're ignoring their kids. You know, <laughs> or they're right. they're they're ignoring their work because they think they're being spiritual by doing all this church stuff. You know, or uh, the opposite. You know, uh, so it, it kind of depends on where a guy is. I'm not a great discipler of men. I'm pretty good at helping guys see where they are and point them in the right direction. But it would be, uh, tell me about your last quiet time. I mean, that's pretty basic stuff, you know. But in the importance of being in the Word on a consistent daily basis relating to the Lord and being in the word listening, uh, Mary and Martha, you know, is really, really fundamental and uh, foundational. And the rest of it kind of depends on where he is, what his background is. You know, if his church is all screwed up theologically, well, then he needs to get some theolo- theology sorted out. You know, if it's a solid church, you know, but whatever. So it kind of is a unique prescription. A guy with the navigators once told me that discipleship is helping someone become who they believe God wants them to be rather than them becoming what I think they should be. So I'll say to a guy, what do you see? What's the problem? What do you, what does God want you to be? And then, okay, well, if that's what you feel like and that makes sense, then here's, you need to read whoever or to uh, find whoever. So it's kind of a unique uh, prescription. At least that's how I, view it so find a a close mentor someone whom you can trust you can that you want to to be like that person and learn from and who will tell you the truth you know we don't want to accumulate teachers in accordance with their own desires so you want someone's a little bit unsafe you want someone that will say no matt you're being a knucklehead here you're wrong you know in (laughs) this situation so you want someone that you trust that you respect, but also someone that will tell you the truth. Well, I can graciously say that <laughs> that you have graciously told me that exact thing well, uh, in the past, and I've benefited from it. So even though, as you said, you're not a disciple or still, that that is important. It is. I mean, it, it, seriously, it is an important thing to have a man who will, who's not trying to form you in his image, right? but who's, who wants to help you grow in the image of Christ. And, and what God is calling him to do. God may be calling him to do something right. maybe very different than what he's calling me to do or what I have done. So it's helping them uh, along the along the way. So earlier, you know, we'll get back to the spiritual gifts question now. You know, there is a... I can remember years ago... Uh, in a Baptist church where I was, you know, going through the spiritual gifts class back when we had training union, which I don't even think is a thing yeah. anymore. But uh, but they, you know, Sunday evenings before uh, Sunday evening worship, we would have that spiritual gifts class. Then we took an inventory, which you know, now when I look back, it, it's essentially something very uh, very closely akin to a personality test just with Bible verses. But all with all that said, how do you 
learn about what your spiritual gifts are. So, you know, how would you advise someone who's who's saying, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are? What would you say to him? Uh, well, you know, the thought that comes immediately to mind is Richard Lovelace's book, The Dynamics of the Spiritual Life. Uh, because in that book, he talks about all that was put in us, the primary and the secondary elements of renewal and what the gospel is in its fullness. And part of what the gospel in its fullness is at the moment of conversion, whether that's in the womb or whenever, uh, God gives us gifts, you know, pretty clear in Romans 12 and I think 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, there are spiritual gifts. Mm -hmm. We are given them at the moment of salvation. They're to help others. Uh, they usually tend to align with our callings. And so the first thing that I say to a guy is, Read the passages, you know, at least know what's there, you know, think about it. Most guys don't even think about it, you know, but if you think about it, you know, God has supernaturally given us unique gifting for the purpose of equipping others and helping others. So it's probably a good idea to understand what those are to the extent that we can. And so reading, praying about it, asking other people, you know, uh, what do you think my spiritual gift is? Uh, might be, uh, you know, what do you see? What do I naturally do well? Spiritual gifts are the things that we do without, like I'm using the gift of exhortation like right now. I don't have to think about it, you know. Uh, you may have the gift of mercy. You just feel or see other people, or you may have the gift of teaching. I don't have the gift of teaching. You know, I have some seminary professor friends who are actually good at teaching. I'm not. And so it's asking other people, uh, and it's asking the Lord, you know, help me to understand my gifts because I want to use them in serving other people. So I think it's a big neglected area in the uh, in the church today. But when someone is using their gifts, when the, the people in the church are together using their gifts, that can create a an absolutely beautiful display of the work of the spirit well it's it's the body it's that's the way it's supposed to be i don't have the gifts that you have i don't have the gifts that larson hicks has we're you know or other people we're just all gifted differently but we need one another every gift is important and actually the more unseemly the gift is the more important it is think about that one uh, a little bit and it's the unseemly parts are actually critical to the body and so if you have an unseemly gift, whatever in the world that means, you're the theologian and not me. I just means it's not good. But the Bible says, well, those, we need those people. You know, they're right. adding somehow to it. And so it's the body working the way that it's designed to work. And that's why I think this is a different subject. This unity or not working well with other Christians is really problematic, you know, because we are a body even across church lines. We need to be loving and serving one another. I, I thought that only that God only used the Reformed church. <laughs> right. I'm not sure what the... the Reform, everyone thinks that theirs is the, uh, the only... The last chapter in Francis Schaeffer's book, The Great Evangelical Disaster, I got this at a thrift store while my wife was shopping. It's John 13, 34, and 35 says, oh, by the way, this is my last book, by this all men will know you're my disciples, by the love that you have one another. Francis Schaeffer says... Jesus gives the world permission to judge us if we're not loving one another. 
think about that. I thought, that's pretty profound. It's like, if you want to criticize us, Mm -hmm. okay, here's how you can criticize us. If we're not loving one another, you can criticize us for that. I'm giving you permission to criticize us. And that's how important it is uh, for us to love one another inside and outside of the our specific church, in my opinion. So, when it comes to the, to these gifts, that that does in talking about the gifts that are that are more um, open and visible versus the ones that are unseemly or hidden. That plays into the the often kind of the personality cults that come up in churches. Right. You usually have the, the gifts that are really popular. Right. The people who who have who have the more charismatic personality and I mean which is good. I mean that's that's a gift of God. But then that personality combined with a very visible presence and you can get this kind of dichotomy in the church between kind of the 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 hip in popular well-known person or people and then everyone else who just kind of stands by and and watches is is, is that something that's just in my mind I'm forming or is that something that you see well you know the 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 responsibility for the ministry according to Ephesians is is for laymen to use the gifts that they've been giving that they've been given pastors prophets evangelists are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so the work of the ministry is our responsibility god individually gives gifts as he pleases. And he even gives amounts of faith, which is kind of, that doesn't seem fair, you know, that he would give some people more faith, than, but he does. It says each is given different measures of faith. And so it's discovering who we are and what God has called us to be and to be faithful with that is really what life pre-45 is, uh, is about. And we all have different callings. We all have different jobs. And I wish I had the gift of prophecy. I wish I had the gift of evangelism, but I don't. Uh, they're, they're a lot more flamboyant. But God gives it as he sees fit. And midlife is, oh, gosh, I haven't been given those gifts. I've been given these gifts. I wish I had a little flashier gifts. But, you know, this is who I am. And I need to be faithful and thankful for who I have been given. And I'm okay with that. I'm not envious of the pastors or whoever that have the flamboyant gifts because that's not who God made me to be. That's convergence at midlife is coming to peace with all of that in one sense. Hmm. Well, this has been really helpful. And, and I, I, I know that th- there may be people that have questions later on about this. Are there any resources that you would suggest if somebody says, I mean, I'm interested. So you mentioned Levison's book. Or you know what are one or two other books that that and it could be more that you would say go down this path and it doesn't have to be specifically related to the seasons of a man's life but just in the the entire scope of our conversation today what are some things that if people are interested in in growing in these areas you would suggest? 
Uh, I really love Lovelace's book, The Dynamics of the Spiritual Life. It's very accessible for the average uh, layman about what the gospel and re revival is really all about. Uh, Jerry Bridges' Transforming Grace is just fundamental. It's foundational. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones' Spiritual Depression is just fundamental. It's basic. His The Sermon on the Mount is fundamental and radical and basic. I love Spurgeon's a treasury of David, his commentary on Psalms. I spend most of my time these days mm -hmm. in there. So the, uh, the you know spiritual leadership by J. Oswald Sanders, uh, it's kind of a classic. Those are the things that come immediately to mind. Okay, all right. Well, I appreciate this. This has been this has been really good, and I know it will be very helpful to our listeners. So thank you for your time, Welcome. and and I appreciate thank it. Thank you, Matt. All right. See you.